Let's open our Bibles to the uh, book of uh, Psalms. And uh, I know that you and I have memorized some verses from the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms is full of words that refresh our hearts and our minds. At the same time, words that remind us also that God is eternal and infinite, and we are not. But at the same time, we also find ourselves be able to live the kind of lives that God has always in mind for you and me. And so doing that you and I will be one day with him forever. But I want us to uh, spend the time in the book of uh, Psalms chapter 1. And please uh, follow me as I read uh, the uh, chapter. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruits in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Now, chapter 1 is what they call a didactic uh, chapter. It compares and contrasts. It compares and distinguishes one from the other. And at the same time, chapter 1 is, for me, it's easy to understand. It's very clear. And in many ways, you know exactly where you are. And if you say that I'm in between, I don't know where am I, I think reading uh, chapter 1 will help you make a choice. It starts with the word blessed. When you think of blessed, sometimes you think of being holy and sanctified. And for a few of us, we think of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Or perhaps you can think of the apostles or some of the saints. But being a blessed basically means happy. Said, blessed is the man. In its context, we can find out that a man is happy, one, because he has a right relationship with God. And that happiness is not deserved. You and I do not deserve it. But that happiness is a gift coming from God through the Lord Jesus Christ. 
That's why it says, happy is the man. It says, who walk, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. A man is happy, a man is righteous in the sight of God when he does not conform himself to the counsel of the ungodly. May you and I interact with people every day, people with different persuasions, people who many times don't always agree with us. And there are times that you and them uh, will be exchanging some differences, and there are times uh, you and I have to decide which way we walk. And the Word of God is telling us that you are happy if you do not conduct yourselves in the way the ungodly are living. In other words, don't allow your own pattern of thinking, your mind or your behavior to be conformed to their own ungodly lives. A godly man or a blessed man is one who is not living the lifestyle of the ungodly. Now you and I know the difference. Every day we see this. Every day we hear them, we read them. And the word of God is just reminding us that you and I are different from them. We are happy because we have Christ. We are happy because we have God in our own lives. We're happy because our life is more abundant. But at the same time, we're happy because we do not follow to the very conduct, the very lifestyle of the ungodly. He does not allow the evil advice to impact and determine his behavior. And you and I, as even a young man, years ago, and even now, do I have to struggle with this? I have to make sure that the Word of God is always with me, that we are not allow what we think to take me away from the direction that is right, to take me away from the relationship that I have with God the Father, with the Lord Jesus Christ. And he does not closely associate himself in their sinful behavior. In the world of Corinthians, Paul said that we have to separate ourselves from the ungodly. And he does not want to be identified with them in their proud, sinful plan and behavior. Now, you and I had been called for a very purpose that God wants us to. 
He has called us to be holy. He has called us to be righteous and let the world know who we are. So man is happy because not, because he does not follow according to the dictates of the ungodly. It's usually that a righteous man knows how to discern what is godly and what is ungodly counsel. He knows where to find completely godly counsel. When he's put in some situations, he knows where to go. He knows who to ask, and he knows that he's got the word of God close to him, and he knows that he will be making the right decision because he's got the word of God with him. And at the same time, he knows that God called him to be separate. Christ uh, prayed for the disciples, and the would-be disciples, he said that, Father, they are in the world, but they are not of the world, but I want you to protect them from the world. A righteous man is being called to be separate. A righteous man is called to be sanctified. A man that is called for the purpose of God. Then he said, instead, in verse 2, he delights, what? In the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He delights. He takes pleasure in spending time in the word of God. I mean, that goes against our nature. Many times we don't look at the Word of God as something that we want, something that we hunger for. But the book of Psalms says that a righteous man takes pleasure in the law of the Lord. One said that you can measure your delight for the Word of God by how much you hunger for it. You can measure your delight for the word of God by how much you hunger for it. Were you hungry for the word of God yesterday or today? No one of the things that we want that to do uh, as a corporate body is that we want to spend time with the Word of God, reading the Word of God. If possible, read the whole Bible in one year. It used to be that I thought that reading the whole Bible in one year is impossible. I never thought that anyone could be able to read the whole Bible, unless you have to go to the Bible school and 
study on the New Testament survey or the Old Testament survey. But as an ordinary Christian, can you do it? Yes, we can. We can read the Word of God. And in fact, we can read the Word of God, the whole Bible in one year. Did you do that? Have you ever tried it? Or at least read the New Testament in less than one year. Years ago, I was 18 years old. I read an, 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 a biography. I don't remember I tried exactly with this Hudson Taylor or Adoniram Johnson. And I read that he committed himself to read the Bible back to back in one year. 20 times. Well, that was a challenge for me. And he did it. And so I told myself, you know what? If this guy was able to do it, why can't I? So I made the same kind of commitment to the Lord. Lord, I want to read your word back to back in one year for the next 20 years. Did I make it? By God's grace, I did. And it was an experience. You know what? Every year that I read the Word of God, I see different things. I see God working it very differently. I see the emphasis change from year after year. And also, I can remember the Word of God more easily. Now, I used uh, one Bible for the last uh, several years, and I made some notations and writings and underlining and so on. And, and I'm glad that I did it, because in my mind I can, I can picture it. I can remember it what page. He delights in the law of the Lord. Luther said, he could not live in paradise without the word of God, but he could live well enough in hell with it. Interesting. When you delight in the word of God, you allow the word of God to shape yourself, to shape your conduct. And in fact, let me just read to you a part of uh, Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6. This is the instruction uh, that Moses uh, gave to the Israelites, especially before he died. And he was giving them the instruction how they should behave themselves when they will be in the promised land. But I just read to you a part of it, uh, Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6, verse 4, until... Verse 8, or verse 6. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And this words that I command you today shall be on your heart. And he said, You shall teach them diligently. 
to your children and shall talk with them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the ways, and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and you shall they shall be as frontlets between your eyes, and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gate. Wow. That's how literally the word of God should be in your life. But he said, you fathers, teach them to your children. And teach them what? Diligently. Now as fathers, you know, it's our responsibility to lead our children to the Lord. In fact, in the same uh, book, Moses and the God said that we should teach them not only to our children, but even to our grandchildren. That's three generations. Now looking back, my mom came to know the Lord Jesus Christ first. And my dad came to know the Lord Jesus Christ by using the death of my brother. And there are about five boys. And looking back from my mom, from my dad, and then with me and my uh, brothers, I look at my, where am I in my Christian life, and look at my brothers where they are in their Christian lives. And then I look at my nieces and nephews, where are they in their Christian lives? How good we are in teaching our children, then how good we will be in teaching our grandchildren. And this is what the Lord commanded to Moses, teach the word of God. Talk about them anywhere and everywhere. And be reminded of them and be identified with the Word of God. Now, the Word of God is very important in your life and my life. Without the Word of God, we don't know much about God. At the same time, we can establish a relationship, a right relationship with Him without His Word. That's why I like uh, what the psalmist said, I delight in the law of God. When I was growing up, I was also uh, encouraged to spend quiet time every day. When I hear about that quiet time, I didn't really understand what quiet time is. In fact, uh, one time uh, I went back to uh, the province and I was asked to lead a Sunday school. And then I, I shared and told uh, the missionary, yeah, I think I, I may have to uh, share to uh, uh, the people in the, in the class how to spend quiet time. And the missionary didn't understand what, what, what I meant by quiet time. And then I told him, well, just spending time with God every day. 
Now, the Lord Jesus Christ spent time with the Father very early in the morning. In fact, the psalmist also, in Psalm 5, this is that he spends time every morning and delighted in spending time with God. And I was told also, I'm just telling you what I have learned, hopefully that I can help you out, that you and I should be death in God's Word, that you and I should develop that desire to spend time in God's Word and know God's Word. And I was told that we can do it by first listening, just like what you're doing now, by reading God's Word, hopefully every day, and any time, then by studying God's Word. Now, you don't have to go to the Bible school to do it. You can do it any time. And hopefully that you can do it with the other God's children. You'll be able to do what is right and do right and studying the Word of God. And then you memorize and memorizing uh, the verse can be a challenge. In fact, uh, John Piper, when uh, I never realized that John Piper, uh, after so many years of uh, sharing the Word of God, one Sunday morning he preached and he quoted about a hundred verses of God the Word of God by heart before the congregation. And they was thinking about or preaching about abiding in the Word. And he recited 100 verses, word for word. And then he said, you know what? I got challenged to memorize because I know a professor who has, for the first time I see, shared the Word of God before the students. And he showed it from his heart, from memory. And sometimes I ask the question, and I'm not sure what you think. Is there any verse in the Word of God that says that you should memorize God's Word? If you do not think, tell me about it. If you think, tell me about it. But then we have to meditate. That's the fifth one. We have to meditate on God's Word. And this other said that we have to meditate on God's Word what? Day or night? No. It's day and night. It involves prolonged thinking about God's Word that takes place in our reading or study and review them throughout the day. When we think of meditation, we think of people in yoga, we think of Eastern religion. What they say that to meditate is to basically what? Empty your mind. But when you look at the Word of God, you are not emptying your mind. You are filling up your mind with God's Word. Meditate on God's Word is just like chewing the cud and get the sweetness and the nutritive virtue 
of the word of God into our heart and into our life. Know the cows, that's what they did. They ate, they chew. Once they chew, what happened? It doesn't go straight to the stomach. It's stored in a pouch. And then from that pouch, that, that grass or that food will go back to the mouth and they chew it again. In many ways, that is, that is how to meditate. Chew the word of God into small pieces and digest them. It is the reflection of the word of God in the course of our daily activities. He delights in God's word and he meditates on God's word day and night. Regardless of the time of the day or context, the child of God responds to life according to God's word. In Colossians 3.16, it says, Let the word of God, what? Dwell in you richly. That means we have to be saturated with God's word. Many of us have uh, taken uh, chemistry. Now, uh, in the liquid uh, study, um, you, you learn about saturation, supersaturation, undersaturation. When it is undersaturated, what? There's, there's more solvent than the solute. When you're saturated, there's equal amount of the solvent and the solute. Supersaturated, there's more solute than the solute. But because you keep on stirring it, what happens? Uh, you will never see the solute going down to the floor of the glass. In many ways, that's what you should do with God's word. We should be saturated with God's word. Again, we read Joshua 1.8 uh, earlier. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. For what purpose? So that you may be careful to do all that is written in it. In other words, when you meditate, when you study, what? It is not to increase our knowledge, but what? So that we can apply the word of God in our own lives. And then God said, then you shall have good success and be prosperous. And verse 3 says, He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. You know, he finds abundant and unending nourishment from the word of God. You know, he's just like a tree planted along the river. It never have problems of being dry. There's always water. There's always supply around. He has a good root system to draw nourishment from. In Colossians 2, 6 and 7, it says, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted 
built up and establishing the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So living Christ what wrote it and being built up. The deeper your root will be, the stronger you will become. Sears Tower. It has what? More than 100 uh, stories. You know uh, how shallow the foundation was? No, it's very deep. And even with the depth of uh, the foundation, they have some kind of shock absorber even to help the building from standing because of the wind. And that's what we are. We are like a tree planted by the streams of water because our root system goes deeper and we get nourishment and we grow and we yield fruit. It is what is visible to others, not just what is hidden within the person that we consider as fruit. You and I have been changed into new creation. Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5.17 Everything become new because of what Christ did to us on the cross of Calvary. And in Matthew 5.16 says that let your light shine before men that they may see your good work and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And John 15.5 says I am the vine, you are the branches, you abide in me and I in him. He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. In other words, you have to abide in Christ to bear fruit. How? In that passage, as Andy assured about a few Sundays ago, abiding in Christ is to abide in his word. And abiding in Christ is to abide in his love. Then Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but what? Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. In other words, you and I are changed. The fruit of the Holy Spirit begin to be developed in your life and my life. The fruit. Not just like a grapes. It's a fruit, but there are lots of grapes. In other words, you and I will grow and be transformed into the likeness of Christ. Christ said, He was my word and keeps them. He it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And what? And I will manifest myself to him. And that manifestation is that you and I will be living and behaving like Christ. When Paul said, be meditators of me as I am to the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said, what you have seen and heard from me, do. Paul was a good follower of Christ. At the same time, he was a good mentor. He said that I'm teaching you the word of God, but at the same time, you can learn from me the way I live. 
That's how the word of God impacted Paul. Being planted by the streams of water, that means that you and I become spiritually healthy. The leaves will never wither. And in all he does, he prospers. It is not that the righteous man has a mightiest touch, and everything he does make him rich and comfortable. But in the life of the righteous man, God brings forth something good and wonderful out of everything. Even tough circumstances bring forth something that shall prosper. No, prosperity and success does not, does not mean physical wealth. No, it's more than that. But this success and prosperity, why? Because we are changing. There's success and prosperity because you and I are becoming more and more like Christ. We do not allow our own human nature to be on top of what God has planned for you and me. We put ourselves under God and he will make things work for you and me. How about the wicked? They're like chaff that the wind drives away. Chaff. Chaff is a light shell around the kernel of a grain, light enough that can be separated and blown away by the wind. This is what the sport, Charles Spurgeon said. A chaff is intrinsically worthless, dead, unserviceable, without substance, and easily carried away. In other words, nothing. That's how the psalmist look at the wicked. They are just like chaff that are blown by the wind. And then he said that the wicked will not stand in the judgment. No serious in the congregation of the godly or the righteous. Remember uh, Belshazzar in the uh, time of Daniel? Belshazzar one day uh, got scared because of the writing on the wall. And he says here that what? Belshazzar was found wanting. He doesn't have the way. Just like a shop. So light. And the wicked are found wanting. And they will not have any fellowship with God and with God's people. And they will perish. The contrast is so different. What a godly man is and what an ungodly man is. But the bottom line is that we need God's word in our lives. We need to grow in our relationship with God through his word and prayer. We need to grow with each other. We can help each other grow. But the word of God will be in the center.
What should we do then? I would challenge you to spend time in this word, to know him better every day. Just don't listen, read, and study, or only memorize, but meditate on God's word. As you listen, as you read, as you study, and as you memorize. And let me just end this with a quotation from Spurgeon. Many lack because they only read and do not meditate. Is it only reading that does us good, but the soul inwardly feeding on it and digesting it? A preacher once told me that he had read the Bible through 20 times on his knees and had never found the doctrine of election in his readings for 20 times. And this was what he said, it is most uncomfortable position to which to read because he was kneeling. <laughs> if he had sat in an easy chair, he would have been better able to understand the word of God. Again, it's nice to be reminded by chapter 1 of the book of Psalms. Spend time in God's Word. And by the work of the Holy Spirit, you know, by God's Word, you and I will be changed every day. Paul said we can change from one degree to another. And that can be true. You and I come from different backgrounds. We have different personalities. We have different needs. But at the same time, the Word of God can work in each one of us, no matter what kind of background you are coming from. It doesn't matter. God's Word will work in us through the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you for this time. Thank you, Lord, that even as we read through your word, we can find challenges and spending time with your word. Lord, I do pray that all of us will have that same attitude that we delight, we take pleasure in spending time in your word. And we will be like trees that are planted by the streams of water that will bear its fruit in its season and whose leaves will not wither but will always be prosperous and successful. But Lord, help us to be men and women of your word. Amen. <laughs>